And today I get to talk about mothers. I mean, everybody's got one, right? If you got here without a mother, I don't know. Some other planet, maybe. But, but I don't know if you know about my mother, but my mother's been passed away for a long time. I was 27 when she passed away, but she was an emergency room nurse. She was actually the head nurse at the emergency room in Lethbridge at St. Michael's Hospital. And, and as a single mom, and I got a special place in my heart for single moms too, because they got twice the battle, man, of, of putting themselves out there for, for their children. But, but it was, was deal with people in their worst, worst situations and circumstances that she would have to face them and, and make decisions on, on how to restore them and, or maybe just save them. And, and, and I think moms are faced with the same things. You know, they're, they're almost like an emergency room nurse for every area of the, of the hospital and of the family. And this week, I, I think I mentioned to you guys as well that I had the opportunity to train with the Lethbridge Fire Department in, uh, you know, how to resolve a crisis, what to do in a crisis, how to help people come out of a crisis, you know, extreme stress, you know, in their life. And firefighters are constantly put stressful situations in front of them. And I, I'm kind of looking at it and I go, so do moms. <laughs> you know, the, the kids are going to come to you first for first aid. And, and, and what I found out with the, with the fire department is, is there are certain things you can do to bring more health to that, which uh, number one is just get, get in their face, like talk to them, because we're, we're supposed to serve the firefighters. We're not serving the community. We're here to help them in those situations, along with their team of peers. And, and this training was, was to get their attention. If you see them losing it, uh, any moms ever lose it here? If you see them losing it, you get their attention. And, and you acknowledge them that they hear what you're saying because what, what you're saying is important. And I want moms today to hear what I'm going to say is important. I want you to listen and pay attention because sometimes when you're faced with struggles in life, you, you'll drift and you'll, you'll, your attention will go here or there. And you've got probably things at home or maybe you had expectations today and maybe they weren't met. You know, maybe there's some moms here that are a little bit disappointed, or maybe there's some women here that are disappointed that they're not moms. Right? But we can, we can learn to deal with these situations, and that's what I got to do with the fire department. It was so exciting to, to learn that. So first you get your attention, and then you, you basically acknowledge that what they're experiencing is real, and it hurts, and, and that there's, there's, it's not good because they're faced with these challenges. So if you just say, no, it's going to be good, or you're fine, you're fine, then a portion of that trauma and that pain that they're experiencing, it goes down inside and, and never gets dealt with. And when I think of moms, I mean, for many of the years of a child's life, moms have to put down their feelings. You're going to be okay. I'm okay. Uh, I, we got this taken care of. Because you've got to instill that and actually uh, carry a burden that, that moms are never meant to carry. Name with, same with firefighters. There's oftentimes they're just, you're, they're just not in control of the situation. And that has, a, has an impact on their life because they, like moms, put their life out there to do it. That's, what they're, that's, what they were, like, that's their passion. They love to see it happen. But when it doesn't happen, it can leave marks. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta deal with that. You gotta bring it out and talk about it. And I, I looked at this article on, on uh, codependency, and I don't know if you understand it much, but. Um, like, moms are, they're so, de the kids are so dependent on their moms for everything from birth. They're basically survival. And that's not necessarily the healthiest thing because life is going to happen at times and it's going to leave a mark and it's going to hurt. And, and the kids need to learn how to do that, how to experience that. But moms are always going to be the ones that are going to try and rescue and then come up short, likely. 
But how many moms have access to like someone who can deal with trauma? Because trauma is overwhelming, right? Any overwhelmed moms ever? Right? It's overwhelming. So whatever that situation is, it could be something you've dealt with before, but for some reason that day it's just overwhelming. You, you, your, your capacity to deal with it is, is too much. And often in those situations, mom makes, moms make mistakes. And then they got that piled on, like, I failed. I didn't do it. Oh, my gosh. And I lost it with them. And, and it's not so easy to let go of that because you feel so responsible for it, something that we were never meant to carry, but for Jesus to help us in that situation. But when I looked at this article, I'm just going to share it with you guys. So maybe some of these, these um, habits and, and symptoms of, of, of this codependency can kind of resonate. Because, I mean, mental health is not is not something that, it's, it's mental health. You can, your health can deteriorate in every single area of your life through expressions and experiences. So it's, there's, there's, there cannot be any shame to it. But the important thing to do is acknowledge it. Like I said, we get them to acknowledge their trauma. And then we bring uh, solutions, diet, rest, exercise. Make sure that they do that. And mom, this is kind of a diet, rest, exercise thing for you, you know. Like make sure you process your weeks and take care of yourself. And, and make sure you're taking care of yourself in every area of your life because you deserve it. You deserve it because you put yourselves out there. But let me just get to this article. I've said enough about that. Because these, these instances can leave wounds. And then what happens, it, it, they, they bring on these dysfunctional relational patterns that we pass on. And I think I mentioned about my mom being an emergency room nurse. Well, I'm probably the, I'm, like Cindy calls me Mr. Safety. Although I raced motorcycles and did all things that people would say were really risky, I wasn't really a risk taker. I, I'm, I quite, was quite confident in every task I took. Not that I didn't end up in an emergency room a couple of times, but that was the other guy's fault. But my mom was, was so concerned about, like, when, when I was growing up, even when I met my wife, Cindy, and the first time they met was at the racetrack. And I remember hearing my, my family say, because my mom never watched me race. And that day she was like, oh, I don't like this. She'd, she'd say things like, oh, I don't like this. Because the emergency room there, she sees what happens when people come off that fall off those things. Oh, I don't like this. And then my brother said, pretty soon she found out I was getting positions and getting into a place to win. I didn't win that way. I think I got second. Supposed to clap at that time, but it was only 50 years ago. Anyways, but all of a sudden she got excited and she was like, yeah, he's doing it. You know, this is good. Get him. You know, and she was, but they said that pretty soon she was cheering me on. But that insecurity that, that she experienced, I found that it came on into my life. I was always worried about the kids. I asked Cindy, like, what's in your mouth? What's this? Don't do that. Bump this, bump that. I took my kids to emerge actually quite enough that they thought maybe we were abusing them or something because it was like, and there's nothing wrong with them, but there's, I don't know, they just like had to check, dude, this is the first time in a few months that his parents keep bringing this kid in here. There's nothing wrong, but, but that, that fear came on me, and I wanted to make sure that, that I didn't pass it on, because it's restricting. You know, you've got to have a confidence in your life that you're going to do your best, and those failures and those things that can be in danger, you've you got to be able to properly anal analyze it. And I found myself... I don't want to do that for my boys. I was like, I, I'm not good on heights. And I remember we'd go to a hotel room. We'd go, oh, we're like 16 floors. And I'd be like going out like this and trying the railings here. And I'd be like that. And my sons would go, wow, this is so cool. I was like, no, get back, get back. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, they're good. They're not jumping over. They know better. So what I'm saying to moms is, is the areas that your, your shortcomings are, look to how you make them stronger. 
you're not going to be perfect. You're, you're not going to be able to pull it off all the time. And then you've got to give yourself enough grace to go, I did my best. So these wounds can create dysfunctional patterns. And this is an article I'm just going to share right out of it. Like insecurity, body insecurity, low self-esteem. Anybody relating to that? Uh, issues of codependence where we betray our own need to be chosen by others. So we don't care about ourselves. We just, we got to be chosen. We got to be the hero. We have to. So we'll, we'll let go of our own needs. And then see if you can relate to any of these things. Inability to set proper boundaries. Insecurity with body and physical appearance. Anybody? I'm, can, I, can I say Cindy? I have to ask for permission. She's giving me that look. But Cindy will get ready in the morning and, and I, I know the filter. Yeah, it'll, it'll work. They got the thing, the sound guy filters all that stuff out. <laughs> See? If I say something stupid, they stop. Anyways, she'll, say, she'll ask me, how, how do I look? And I go, you look fine. <laughs> Don't say that, guys. Because no matter what, I can, and she knows it, I've I, I never seen her when I, I don't find her attractive and looking great. I just never have. So it's kind of like, but, but that's, that's not her problem, but that's, that's people, that's women. They tend to look at it and go, no, I can't be. I'm, there's got to be something wrong. Insecurities. Inability to regulate your emotions and self-soothe in healthy ways. Any moms relate to that? <laughs> this isn't healthy. This is like 11 o'clock in the morning and I shouldn't be consuming on this thing. Right? There's a few that are laughing. Don't say what it is. It could be soap operas. <laughs> but I'm saying those are, those are symptoms that maybe you're not dealing with things so well. Maybe it's not quite right with you. You've got to be able to let go of that before you're soothing in those ways. Fear of abandonment. Chronic self-judgment. Self-criticism. Comparison to others. Any ladies ready to that? You know, at Mother's Day, you always see... I, I always try and celebrate moms and my wife and um, but somebody's always like wow how do they write that stuff <laughs> that's that guy works for hallmark you know and a beautiful and then there's the mom that's going oh, no one posted about me today and they didn't call that's trauma man that's that's like you got you got to understand that that's that's not your level of importance in the world be how others respond to you if you're dependent on them to do that, you've got to be dependent on who God has called you. And I'm going to share what Jesus did for women in a few moments, and it's amazing. Amazing how much he loved. How your mother felt about herself and how engaged she was within relationships and beliefs she carried become a part of our conditioning. My mom was very nervous about danger and nurses and hospitals. She passed that on to me. Uh, Many mothers haven't processed their trauma, so they weren't able to emotionally be supportive, and they became highly critical. There's, there's girls in here likely that their mom had some trauma in their life, and they're warning you about your appearance in a very critical way, doing anything to stop you from getting into a position or a place in your life where somebody may take advantage of you. And they might be critical, and they might, it might be hurting you as a daughter. Why would she say those things about me? I'm not like that, but... Just maybe mom needs a break because she's worried. Ideally, we'd have mothers who didn't carry any unresolved trauma, which, you know, self-worth. Um, that They'd be able to see themselves for who they are as wise safeguards as they navigate life. That's a good mom, right? You're wise, but you're not there to stop every, every incident in your life or in your child's life. 
And lots of moms didn't know how to regulate their own emotions or cope. They don't know how to meet their own needs. They didn't practice self-care or teach us how to have boundaries. Their relationships reflected patterns of codependency, so they unconsciously project their pain onto us. In the same way they were modeled, we do it. So symptoms of a caretaker or one who needs others to feel value. And, and I'm, if you're a mom today, I just I hope you find freedom from the value and you get your value no matter what. But these are things that, that one that has to have that need. One would be perfectionism. You know, and Cindy's going to be up in a few moments and share about, you know, all the mistakes that moms look at in life and, and make and have. And it's like you're not, it's okay to be not okay and not perfect. Perfectionism is one. Needing to be needed to feel like you matter. Because there's a time when your kids are going to go to a place where you're not going to be needed. Maybe that's, maybe that's not getting that call today because you feel because they don't call that you don't matter. But that's not the truth. They're, man, I was like brain dead when it comes to stuff like that. Never thought about my mom. I loved her tremendously, but I always had this confidence that she's fine. She's my mom. I can ask her anything. Never once did I want her to feel like she wasn't important or valued in my life. But that's my problem, right? We can do better, guys, and modeling that with our children, too. You've had a hard time receiving things. Feeling like a martyr and sacrificing yourself. Overly busy. Those are all things of, of, a, of a wound, likely, from how you've been brought up, and now, and now you're not sure how to deal with it. It's a journey of finding ourselves and looking at those things and those emotions and processing them in a healthy way and going, I got this. I'm doing fine. He's got it. All my shortcomings are met in a relationship with him, and they're going to be all right. I'm going to have Cindy come up. She's going to share a story of a, I have a mom. Give it up for Cindy. And she looks Fine. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day, moms. We love you. We honored you. It's so awesome. Look how many moms are here. That's awesome. Give a hands to the moms. So cool. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story, and you're either going to laugh, you're going to cry, but please don't judge me. They might call social services. Don't judge me. Um, we have three boys. Cody's our oldest. He works here. In the, he's in the kids' area at this service. Our second is Dylan, and our last son is Levi. He's our baby. He lives in Vancouver. So when Levi was in grade six or seven, the school called me and said, um, Mrs. Molyneux, you didn't sign the permission slip for Levi to get his vaccination for chickenpox. And I said, oh. Oh, it's probably in his backpack. I forgot. It's okay, go ahead and give it to him. Well, he's saying he had chicken pox. No, no, he hasn't had chicken pox. Go ahead and give him the needle. He said he reacted to the last needle and his arm swelled and he ended up in emergency. Doesn't ring a bell, he's just afraid. Give him the needle. So later on, Levi comes home, throws his backpack on the floor, stomps over to me and says, Mom, I had chicken pox at Christmas with Micah. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I do remember now. And the first time I got a needle, my arm swelled and you took him to emergency. Oh, is that you? I thought that was your brother. Oh, and then he says, Mom, 
you are no longer responsible for any major decisions in my life. And he went downstairs. I didn't know if I should laugh or cry, so I just chuckled. <laughs> so, Mom, having said that, you are not condemned when you have your son get a needle for chickenpox, and he's already had chickenpox, and he reacts to the needle. Mom, you are not condemned if you sing on stage and you forget the words. <laughs> Ralph told me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mums, you are not condemned by a messy house. Mums, you are not condemned by your personal shortcomings or your mistakes. You are not condemned, and this is a good one, I love this one, because this happened to me a lot. You are not condemned by the stares of other women in the grocery store who do not have two-year-olds while yours is screaming on the floor having a tantrum. Right? Yeah. Moms, you are not condemned by your des lack of desire to have more kids. That's a hard one, and you're not condemned by it. Moms, you are not condemned by your inability to cook or even boil water. <laughs> Microwaves do that really easy. Moms, you are not condemned if you are divorced and a single mom. We love you. Right? You are not condemned by your desire to be alone, away from the kids, having a bath with a candle. And I want to add, if they're banging at the door and you don't answer, you are not condemned. <laughs> you are not condemned by your body, what it looked like when you were 20 and what it looks like now after many kids, or even one. Moms, you're not condemned by the failures by your failures you think you have as a mom or your shortcomings. This is a tough one. You are not condemned by rebellious children. You're not. You're a good mom. Mom, you are not condemned by the frustration of having to scrape mac and cheese off the floor, the wall, the ceiling again. You are not condemned by all the fears and tears which flirt with insanity and take you to the place of despair. We've all been there. Moms, you are not condemned when the first child you have has a soother, drops it, you boil the water, sterilize it, last child, pick it off the floor, wipe it off, five second rule. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're not condemned by that. You are not condemned when your, oh, I love this one because this was my kids too. You're not condemned when your kid's nose runs and then dries and then dirt sticks to it. <laughs> They'll get a bath tomorrow. You're not condemned by not throwing the biggest party celebration for their birthday, especially when all the other moms feels like they did. You're not condemned by that. You're not condemned if your response is always, because I said so, that's why, and wait till your father gets home. <laughs> you are not condemned because you don't know all the answers, and you are not condemned because you really need a vacation. You are loved, and you are honored, and you're amazing. Thank you. So there's a lot of situations in the Bible where, where when Jesus came, especially with women, that everything changed. Everything changed. You know, he, he broke every rule when it came to 
speaking with women. I want to share this message. Actually, this was a message shared by Pastor Kelly uh, back in 2017, I believe it was. And I, I still remember it then because I go, I just, you can see so much how God loves people, including women, and from a, a place in society where um, they were marginalized and, and were even put to death for things. And, and then when we look at how we love others at Parallel Church today, we can always do better. Always do better in loving people. In ancient Greece, a respectable woman was not allowed to leave a house unless she was accompanied by a trustworthy male escort. A wife was not permitted to eat or interact with male guests in her husband's home. She had to retire to the women's quarters. Men kept their wives under lock and key, and women had social status of a slave. Girls were not allowed to go to school, and when they grew up, they were not allowed to speak in public. Women were considered inferior to men. The status of a Roman woman was also very low. Roman law placed a wife under the absolute control of her husband, who had ownership of her and all her possessions. He could divorce her if, he, if she went out in public without a veil. A husband had the power of life and death over his wife as he did his children. As with the Greeks, women were not allowed to speak in public. Jewish women as well were barred from public speaking. The oral law prohibited women from reading out the Torah out loud. Synagogue worship was segregated and women never were never allowed to be heard. But then came Jesus. The oral law was quite explicit. He who talks to a woman in public brings evil upon himself. Another teaching prominent in Jesus' day was one that said not much even greet a woman. And if you remember Jesus at the cross, he, he looked at his own mother and, and made sure that she was cared for by saying, this is your mother. He had a special love for, for people who are marginalized in society. And I'm not sure if you're a mom feeling marginalized, but I, I know that life can make you feel that way just by some of the things Cindy was sharing. Because you're always trying to, to be that one that's going to be that, that savior or that one that's going to be able to be that one that's going to provide everything. And we were never meant to do that. I want to share a few more scriptures of what Jesus did for women. John 4, 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking to a woman. No one asked, what do you want? Or why, were you, why are you talking with her? He broke every barrier. He broke because of her gender. Jesus loves you regardless of your gender. I'll say it again. Jesus loves you regardless of your gender, your race, of who you are. He broke every barrier. He started a conversation with this Samaritan woman at the well in public. And I would advise you to watch um, The Chosen because that scene is just so powerful. How he's seen this woman and knew every part of her life, still loved her, went out of his way, broke the law to even speak to her. He's doing that for you today. Luke 10, 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. By teaching Mary spiritual truths, he violated another law which said, let the words of the law be burned rather than taught to women. If a man teaches his daughter the law, it's as though he taught her leshery, which means unrestrained, excessive indulgence in sexual desires. Such a terrible shame put on women. And I'm wondering if, if maybe some of those, those things that were back in those generations somehow sneak back into us thinking that we shouldn't be speaking up or we shouldn't have that input in our life or what input we're going to bring isn't valued. That's not what Jesus taught. John 11, 25 and 26 said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. No one believes in me or the one who believes in me will live even though they die. 
Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So he asked her a question. These remarkable words were spoken to a woman in the first place. To teach a woman was bad enough, but Jesus did more than that. He called for a verbal response from her, from Martha. Once more, he went against the social religious custom by teaching women and having her publicly respond to a man. And we see, I see a lot of religion that often puts repression on women. How they should dress, when they should speak, when they shouldn't speak, their roles in the home and in society. Jesus messed with every bit of that way back then, and we still have some of these things hanging on to us today. Luke 8, 3. Joanna, the wife of Shusa, I think it's Shusa. Jeremy would know. The manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their means. These women were productive providers in society. All three of the synoptic gospels note that the women followed Jesus are highly unusual phenomenon in first century Palestine. So it was highly unusual for any women to follow. This behavior is not May not seem unusual today, but in Jesus' day, it was unusual. Scholars noted that in pervading culture, only prostitutes and women of very low repute would follow a man without an escort. And the reasons they would do that was to survive, likely. So you can see the chance that they took on following this Jesus. And I'm going to challenge you in a few moments to take the challenge to follow him. Because he loves you no matter of your shortcomings, if you see them or not. He loves you the same. And he's brought freedom to them, and he'll bring freedom to you. And this woman also brought many, many people to Jesus. Her representation of his love in her life was so real that she had to compel others to come. And I, I trust that, that that would be part of your life here at Parallel Church, that you would get into this relationship with Jesus where you'd go, I just must tell somebody of his goodness. Others need to hear of his love without judgment. No matter their race, gender, or shortcomings in life. John 20, 15 and 16, and I'm going to close in a few moments here. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was a gardener, she said, sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Arabic, teacher. The first people Joseph Jesus chose to appear to after his resurrection were women. Not only that, he instructed them to tell his disciples that he was alive in a culture where a woman's testimony was worthless because she was worthless. Jesus elevated women beyond anything the world has ever seen. And he's gone beyond that with everyone, every race, creed, gender. 1 Peter 3, 3, 4. This is a good one. I love this one. Because, boy, there's been so much, there's so much challenge today about how women dress. It says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold or jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth. And many people have taken that to condemn women for wearing makeup and wearing a dress and and jewelry, and, and that wasn't the point. They were probably more concerned about that external beauty bringing them power, and they wanted to keep them under, under lock and key, and I see that often in cultures that they have to dress so different than others, than men, 
I don't see that Jesus meant it that way. I think he wanted that quiet, gentle spirit to be the prominent thing in their life. And I think if men got a problem with the other stuff, that's their problem. Avert your eyes. <laughs> that's a good Christianese term. Avert your eyes. Oh my gosh, sometimes I can't look anywhere. Not me. Not me. Sorry, honey. <laughs> I'm going to read you this quote because it's cool. It's from Dorothy Sayers. It says, Perhaps no wonder that women were the first at the cradle and last at the cross. Never, they have never known a man like this. They had never seen, been unseen such another. A prophet and a teacher who never nagged at them, who never flattered or coaxed or patronized, whoever made arc jokes at them, never treated them either as the woman, God help us, the ladies, bless them, who rebuked without quarrelsomeness and praised without condensation, who took their questions and arguments seriously, who never mapped out their sphere for them, never urged them to be feminine or jeered them to be female. He had no axe to grind and no uneasy male dignity to defend, who took them as he found them and was completely unselfconscious towards them. I got the takeaway, but it's not good. So I, I'm going to ask you guys to just write your own takeaway. I just, I'm not good at takeaways. I keep using, I looked at Tim. I like, Tim is amazing with words. But today's takeaway is Jesus and his teachings brought freedom to women. We need to continue to honor that. I don't, I don't think we're done in today's society in honoring women and moms. I don't, I don't think we're there yet in, in honoring others and loving others without conditions because of some kind of fear and inhibition we have in our own life. That by doing that, that, that we're putting them above us when really they were just viewing them the way Jesus did. It's so simple just to, to be challenged by what he did and said. And, I've, and you're probably sitting here today and maybe you had some quarrelsome, quarrelsome you got comment cards if you want to fill it out but on that because typically religion will, will bring that out. But when I look through the scriptures, he brought freedom to people. Not judgment and... And I'm trusting today, if you're a mom, that, that all your shortcomings and wherever you failed or, or not made it, that you'd be able to walk in that healing. And then teach it to your kids. Admit when you're wrong, when you're short. You're probably the best representation of Jesus to them when you're doing it that way. Let's pray. God, we thank you, Lord, for everyone here, Lord. Not, not only just the moms, Lord, but the women and, and everyone here, Lord. I just thank you, God, that, that your love and your truth would bring freedom to those today, God, that feel that, that we need to measure up to so many areas of our life and we experience all these traumas and challenges in our life and then we fall short and then we, we pack it down and, until we're failing and making mistakes. God, I pray that, that you would just bring freedom from all that, Lord that we would all walk a little more upright today, knowing that you represent us, that your love represents us, and our shortcomings in a grocery line or on social media mean nothing because you love us. Help us to love others that way, Lord, that we would be that fine representation of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And this relationship with Jesus is, is just that. It's, it's trusting him with a portion of your life or your life that 
when you feel like you can't make it, which you will, maybe you feel you got it all together, but life will bring things towards us, that he steps in that gap and gives us that confidence and that truth, representing every area of every failure in our life that we're going to make and we're going to make in the days ahead. When you come into a relationship with Jesus, he, does, he asks you to do it by confession, by speaking it. The same way I, when I talk to the, with a firefighter in trauma, I speak to them about their situation and get, get control of it and say, this is what you're saying when you say to Jesus, Jesus, I'm giving you control. I need your influence in my life. And he listens. He talks in Romans about confession. So I'm going to say a prayer with you guys. It will bring you into that love that will replace every failure and loss in your life. I'll guarantee it. Let's pray this together. Pray this after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again. I thank you for forgiving all my sins. That I can have a brand new start with you today. Help me to make the choices in life that will bring freedom. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now I'm going to look around the room and if you're if in this private moment, if you'd want to signify that you've prayed that prayer, it's just basically admitting that you confessed it. The Bible talks about confessing before others. It's simple. And there's also a card in your seat pocket there. If you're in the seat in the front, you have to reach behind. It says, I've decided. And if you take it to the, the new, new here station in the lobby there, or the next steps, any one of our team will help you. Get you a Bible. We'd love to help you with any questions or, or maybe some next steps that you can take to find more freedom from this life and this fullness that God's promised us. Rewarding, loving life.